0: The Hornets lose again against the Toronto Raptors. We'll recap that game. Plus, the Phoenix Suns are interested in one particular player. At least we think so. We'll talk about that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, where you can watch us, and you can uh, check out myself on WFNZ, 12 to 3 p.m., 92.7 FM. And that's Doug Branson. Go see us. uh, sub stack every Hornets box score at every Hornets box You can find a full recap of what happened between the Charlotte Hornets and the Toronto Raptors last night. It did end up in an L we'll discuss that and, and recap some of the storylines from that one in just a moment. Mad Steve Clifford shows up. We'll get to all of that in a second. I wanted to get to the Jalen McDaniels trade rumors, Doug, we got some trade rumors oh, yeah. surrounding a certain Hornets player here. And so what we got from Shams Sharania yesterday that um the hold on one second and pulling it up quote sources tell me that the suns have emerged as a team with interest in jalen mcdaniels among several others in recent weeks so that's what shams put out there yesterday but then john gambadoro of arizona sports radio he put this tweet out he said contrary to a recent report the suns have not had any discussions about charlotte um power forward, Jalen McDaniels. It's not true. His name has not come up and there have been no recent talks. between. Who is John Gambadoro?
1: More like John Bucket of Water. Let's just, you know, hold on a second. Let's just let these rumors sizzle a little bit before we throw the, the cold bucket of water on them. Come on
0: john will Kunkel or john gambadoro who is i got my eye on you
1: gambadoro
0: (laughs) either one of those guys so this sounds an awful lot like agent and team battling each other and maybe there are some talks going on and the the agent knows about it and is wanting to have it public to pique interest from other squads and the phoenix suns are like wait no it's not really happening But really, we should just be discussing the value of Jalen McDaniels and whether it could happen if if there is some talks here between these two parties, then who would be interested in from the Phoenix Suns if a trade goes down? Doug, what do you make of the reports and the uh, reports that are refuting the previous reports?
1: Well, it's our first piece of evidence, Walker, that the Charlotte Hornets will indeed be sellers at the trade deadline. We talked about this on the last episode. The Horn- it makes all the sense in the world for the Hornets to shop essentially everyone except for Lamelo Ball at this point, and maybe some of the younger players that they value, uh, you know, in terms of developing them. But I think Jalen is, you know, he's entering his fourth year. I don't know how much more development we're going to get out of Jalen. We may, we may see close to the full package of Jalen McDaniels. You know, he comes into this season right off of the, the, the ankle injury that, that uh, derailed his previous season. But in the time that he did play last season, uh, he was really good. 53 games played, uh, was a knockdown three-point shooter, finished really well at the rim. And this season he's continued some of that, uh, offensive prowess, especially at the rim, he's been really well. He's been really good. His shooting has been down, but boy, I mean, defensively, uh, he has just been an absolute menace. He stepped up into the starting role over these past couple of games for Gordon Hayward, and the defense has really been his calling card. So, if that's what Phoenix is looking for—more defense, more length, more activity, and, and, an, and an occasional streaky shooter uh, that can finish well at the rim—then then they've got their guy in Jalen McDaniels
0: and plays hard in transition and is on a small contract. And I don't think he's going to break the bank when you do sign him. Once he gets another contract after this season, Doug to to me, this is the wrong guy to sell on. If if you are a seller at the deadline, if you are (laughs) trying to get out in front of this, I mean, why are you getting rid of the, the piece that probably isn't going to cost that much money? And is not going to bring back any reclamation project. There's a reason Phoenix wants him. There's a reason Jalen McDaniels is gaining interest here. It's because the guy's not going to break the bank and he's going to fit in perfectly with whatever you do. Talk about the connecting piece can shoot for all the reasons you just said. And he's not going to like PJ Washington makes more sense to me to trade than Jalen McDaniels. And, you know, my affinity for both PJ. If you, the the reason to trade PJ is that you don't want to pay him 15, 17, whatever you think he's going to go for. Jalen's not going to go for that much. He's going to Mm -hmm. get paid, but -hmm. it's still going to be at an extremely respectable level for what he provides. And he's not going to get in the way of any of your high usage players and all the reasons, right? We can just keep on going over the qualities. I, I would be, I'd be pretty frustrated if the sign of selling, if the sign of the selling Charlotte Hornets was, well. We got off that 1.9 million contract and hey, I look guys, he was going to be free agent and we just didn't want to pay $8 million for this type of player. That's going to be absolutely in the rotation, but, um, but isn't going to be this star. We just decided, you know what, let's get rid of our, let's get rid of him. Like that, that's the wrong player to sell. And
1: certainly it's certainly a player that Clifford likes a lot. Um, has talked a lot about, mm-hmm. you know, his effort and, and, you know, the way he plays on both ends of the floor. So, so you're right. I mean, it's the kind of player you do want to keep around, and and he's only making 1.9 million, but it's expiring, so they've got to figure out how yeah. much they're going to pay him next season. It, I think it would be tough for any team to find just like a straight player to player match. So it probably be part of a larger deal. But I would say, like, if you're if you're in the position that the Hornets are in, where or or that we think they should be in, which is, hey, find a way to get worse. Uh, by trading some players, sell some players, bring back whatever assets you can bring. But really, it's about making sure that you don't go on some kind of crazy run in the second half of the season, so that you can be part of, you know, the the lottery palooza and the Wemby palooza. Then, then it does make a little bit of sense because Jalen does. Yeah, I think he's filled in admirably for – he's not like – he's not an automatic starter. Like, I don't think he's made a case that he deserves to be a starter. I mean, it, you know, I think they've been missing Gordon Hayward's ability to pass the basketball That's like one of the big areas of weakness, I think, in Jalen's game is that he's he's not really that effective of a passer at all. Even though his assist percentage is up, there's just multiple passes where you go, ah, oh, that just wasn't as clean or crisp as it would have been had Gordon mm-hmm. been on the floor – but, yeah, I mean, I think you take any opportunity at this point um, to sell any players that are making your team better so that you can be worse.
0: But, the, the, yes, I. but the, the problem is he's not affecting well, – no one's affecting winning right now, and, and you're you're still losing a ton of games, and you're even – what are you? You only have five wins in the games that your best player has played. And when these guys come back, Jalen McDaniels is going to have some of his minutes taking, taken from him. Some. I mean, okay. again, he's going to be a part of the rotation, but – well yeah, let me just ahead.
1: throw let me throw something else at, at you. Okay. What if this mm-hmm. is not just because I just said it would be difficult to think of like because he's only making 1.9 million, like how yeah. do you make that make sense for a player-to-player match? Like there <laughs> there is one player on the Phoenix Suns roster that would match yeah. perfectly. He's making $1.8 million. The Hornets are familiar with him. Steve Clifford is familiar with him. That man's name. Is the one, the only, the Euro master, Bismack Biombo. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Let's do it, reunion, <laughs> baby!
0: <laughs> bring him bring him back and then have him be the mentor that this team has been missing for That's the entire the, I mean, rim season Rim protection. I mean, you're getting that uh, you the know? problem is we lose all of the biz superpowers as soon as he puts on a Hornet uniform. You know, he goes to Toronto. He has a great playoff series. He gets paid and then he goes to Orlando. It doesn't work out. And then we bring him. Of course, it doesn't happen. He has this right. resurrection moment in Phoenix, and Chris Paul is credited for bringing some of that out. And now, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. he's going to come. And every he to goes to another team, he turns
1: happen. into the the meme of the Undertaker, like getting up from the crypt. Um, yeah, Correct. it's it, you know, you're absolutely right. So, in all seriousness, though, though, I think you saw shams with the report that several teams are interested in Jalen McDaniels. Yeah. So I wonder if this is an opportunity for the hornets this is what they have to do if they want if they re- are really serious about getting off of Terry's contract or Gordon's contract the, the sweeteners to do that if you because you don't want to give up draft assets if you're the hornets to to make that happen the sweetener would be players that are young with lots of potential uh, that do multiple things. That's PJ Washington. That's uh, Jalen McDaniels. So if you yeah. can move those two players in tandem with moving one of those contracts, then I think, you know, as much as you love Jalen McDaniels, as a lot of fans love Jalen McDaniels, you got
0: to do it. The, 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 only, the only one that I would consider it is Terry. I'm holding on to Gordon. That's fine because he's got, he's on an <laughs> expiring. At the beginning, you know, 100%. But Gordon Hayward is going to be on an expiring contract. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be highly valuable this offseason, and I think you can get more value when you just wait, especially with him being an injured player. And so if if Terry is the guy, I get it because you again, this is the first year that contract kicked in. And if you need to attach Jalen McDaniels and depending on what else you would be bringing in return I get you on that one with Gordon. I'm just no look as crazy as it sounds that Jalen McDaniels is the nope. We're waving it off. I just to me, it would make sense to bring him back on sign him. Not for a ton of money helps you quite a bit. I think he would help you over probably what the money that he'd be getting is. And then you try to find a way to trade Gordon. But, you know, there's a lot of different routes. That's what's crazy. I was talking with somebody about this uh, a couple of days ago all of the different routes that the Hornets could potentially take. And it's not because they have this abundance of positive routes they can take positive exits. It's just, there's so many different decisions that they could make. And what's the It's it's kind of
1: the sad irony of the small market team, right? Because we hear over and over from this organization and from so many people and analysts and different things that like their, their options to build a great team are limited by the fact that they are located in Charlotte uh, but their options to make to get worse are abundant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, uh, that's us. That's the Charlotte Hornets. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go
1: to sleep on the Hornets em. just yet
0: we'll give you the recap on the toronto game last night and take a look ahead at the schedule and see uh if there are any wins that could come the charlotte hornets way and just kind of dissect what's to come this episode is brought to you by prize picks and how prize picks works is that you can pick two to six players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry there's no competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available and they offer projections on any sport you watch that includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, the big three there. If you're an NHL fan, they got you covered there. Golf, PGA, Men's and women's college basketball, soccer, and then, yes, even disc golf, Euro basketball, and cricket. My mom actually just tweeted this out or put on a Facebook status yesterday that disc golf is somehow on her streaming service. Somehow mm. she has disc golf. Yeah, I, she doesn't know how this happened, but mm-hmm. she was watching it and was highly intrigued. And so now, mm. if my mom wants to put a little skin in the game and bet on disc golf, she can go to prize picks. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. They offer safe and fast withdrawal. You can download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Picks gives you $100. If you deposit $50, Picks gives you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. More to come. Locked on Hornets. Is Locked on Hornets. But I have seen him go all the way up to number ten. That was—is there a warning? Do we need to get out of here?
1: Okay, here's the thing. My—I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off, and I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and and now
0: here we are. (laughs) I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. (laughs) Well, sometimes it seems like you're—I'm actively fighting you today to move. Sometimes
1: my best is my worst. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: Taking a look at this game, Doug, they lose to the Toronto Raptors. It's the first of two meetings that they'll have back to back in Toronto. So they're going to play tomorrow night after a 132-120 loss. And this was a fun game up until Toronto went on a, a pretty big run. They beat Charlotte by ten points in the final quarter of action, and that's all she wrote after they got on that run. I believe Steve Clifford dropped a line that the Charlotte Hornets got punked last night. Is that what he said?
1: <laughs> he said they got <laughs>
0: punked. Yeah,
1: I love that. I love. I love a. I, too. A, I love a, a coach, especially an older coach like Clifford, and an old school coach like Clifford. He comes from the the Van Gundy tree it's just like very super serious about the game of basketball to come out and say they got punked love that
0: uh, um yeah I would, I would like to pull up the picture of Mitch Kupchak and Steve Clifford and then say yeah that's the guy that said they got punked last night it, uh, well I would love him to go
1: into the locker room like Ashton Kutcher and say
0: you got Oh, yeah. No, I'm not even real. Uh, the James Bray back where well, this was all. A, this was all a joke. The first half. It's done. Now it's JP. <laughs> we got you guys. So, yeah, uh, they're punking us right now and they're punking themselves, according to Steve Clifford. So speaking of Jalen McDaniels, 11 points for him and 13 points for PJ Washington. I want to talk a little bit about him in a minute, but the big three scores here. It was Terry Rogier with 33. Ooh. Excellent shooting from Terry Rogier. On fire in this one. 14 of 19, made every single almost every single two-point field goal. Only missed one uh two-point shot that he had in this one but it was 5 of 9 from three-point range, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Nice game for Terry scoring 33. LaMelo 24 points, a season high 14 assist, only two turnovers from LaMelo, 9 of 22 from the field, 4 of 9. From three point range, Doug, is Mason Plumley going to have to lead us off here, though, (laughs) when it comes to player of the game? I mean, Terry Terry's shooting was crazy, but like Mason was reverse slamming again. We I I don't feel like that has been as frequent a thing this year as it was last year. And Mason has been playing better this year compared to last year. Nine of only missed one field goal. 21 points for Mason seven rebounds three assists maybe the rebounds were a little bit down but man the the offense there he was slamming it on a ton of different possessions and uh looked good I I can't the guy's playing well recently what what can you say
1: oh he's a double double machine he's been he's been (laughs) one of the few hornets uh that's that's been able to be really active on the offensive boards um and he's been taking advantage of that to get some of these jams but also I thought you know, the zone defense really benefits him more than anyone because the zone defense that the Raptors put out was really exclusively trying to limit what Rozier and Ball have been able to do over the past couple of games. And the big beneficiary of that is Mason because they're, they're looking to get him the ball in the middle of the floor, and he can either attack at that point or pass it. We know that Mason is really good at passing the basketball, so over these past couple of games, he's been able to rack up a ton of assists as well. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's playing really effectively. But I want to go back to the other guy, too, Terry Rozier. Uh, you know, two out of these last three games, he scored over 30 points. Um, he's been amazing. I was looking at his stats over the last five games. He's shooting over 50% on 20 attempts. <laughs> like, I mean, going. It, his numbers are nuts right now. And, look, if you're looking towards the long term, yeah. honestly, if you're looking towards the long term, these two past two losses have been perfect because you've gotten great games, or past three really, even if you include the Bucks win, because you've gotten great games from players that you would hope that the Hornets would be taking phone calls or making phone calls about Terry Rozier and Mason Plumley, to possibly bring back assets or at least to get off of Terry uh, Terry's contract in the long term. Uh, they they've been they've been awesome, and Terry hasn't been very good for much of this season. A lot of that having to do with the fact that he's been playing sort of out of role. Now he's fully back into that role with Lamelo, you know, sort of getting back into his groove. So Terry's been awesome. I don't know how he smuggled all that sauce across the border. He, he was, you know, doing some nifty work through customs. But, I mean, he had the hezy dribble going. Uh, he was putting multiple dribble moves. He's got this, like, patented get-to-the-corner leaner, like as he's falling out of bounds. And I just imagine that people opposing fans that watch that are going, what the hell was that shot? Like, I don't know. Yeah. How did he hit that shot? But if you've been watching the Hornets closely for a while now, that's Terry's shot. It looks hard. The degree of difficulty on it looks hard, but he must practice that shot a ton because he he get he wants to get to that shot, that little corner falling out of bounds shot. That's that's a Terry special, and and he's been yeah,
0: special. He has been the last couple of games, and it's unfortunate that we have to talk about him so often. In a, I'm glad that he's playing well, so we can trade him because. I mean, you know, I got destroyed I you know because of the contract that I disagreed with that the Hornets gave him, right? Right at the beginning. There are so many fans of Terry Rogier mm-hmm. for what he brought this team after Kimball Walker left. And yeah. Terry is is a fun player who is also an awesome dude. Love talking with him in some interviews. You know, when we're just seeing him at the podium. I love how real Terry is. And he grew as a basketball player here in Charlotte. And that's undeniable. I mean, what he did, there were so many people that destroyed the Hornets for the three year, $18 million contract, $18 million a year that he was making. And, you know, people were like, oh, you're, you're, okay, you're trading Kimba Walker for something. No, you lost him for nothing. And in reality, that wasn't true. And that, that absolutely was not true. Mm-hmm. And then you got a little eager. You thought maybe you could win with that backcourt where Terry is what? Your your second best player, you know, and that's just that's just not something I ever thought this team could do. And in a role that is better suited for him where he can affect winning, winning by shooting the basketball, he'd be a, a fantastic player. And so it sucks like, like in I'm, L.A. I'm conflicted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like right? L.A. would no, die right. for what
1: die right. for his shooting right now. I mean, you know, LeBron James is out right. there saying, hey, I've got to score 40 points or we don't win a basketball game. Like, hey, Terry can come in and score 20
0: for you easily. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my my point is, you know, it it sucks because we always have to talk about him in a, hey, maybe you can get off this deal. You know, he has not been good this year, this year, except for, you know, probably a handful, maybe 10 games you can count to where he's been very good and, and shooting really high. But like, this is, he's a great guy. He's, he was awesome for a couple of seasons for this Hornets team that allowed them to have some hope and get into the play in and maybe give you a shot. But if you want to get to the next level, I just don't think that contract with that play, that's the best way to do it. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but every this, every decision you make as a general manager is about finding the easiest path or or the right way to get to the next level and compete. And I just don't think that's with Terry on the roster at this moment.
1: Well, but that's, to me, Walker, that's not Terry's fault. Oh, because I, it's I'm not, only It's ta- always
0: ta- the team's fault. Always.
1: I I'm, I'm all I'm only talking about the contract because I was I was okay, with, I don't know if I was like a fan of the contract necessarily, but like I was okay with the contract when they gave it to him because I thought this is step 1, okay? They they've got to go out and find some rim protection because LaMelo and Terry together in that backcourt is is going to be it's going to be a little fluid. <laughs> like you're going to, you know, have some defensive issues there that you yeah. have to counter. But the counter never came. Like the step 2 and 3 never came the organization apparently decided okay let's give a big contract to Terry Gordon and and now we're done we don't need a center like that to me that was the mistake so the the contract to me in a vacuum was fine and I, and I think you've gotten plenty unlike Gordon's contract you, to me, you've gotten enough productivity out of Terry Rozier and a little bit of leadership, too. That's the other thing. The Hornets never went out and got any kind of veteran uh, that could come in and, and establish some leadership and say, hey, guys, this is how you are supposed to prepare for a play-in game. This is how you're supposed to get ready mentally for a play-in game so that you don't get you know, run off the floor. That shouldn't have been Terry Rozier's responsibility. He doesn't have that kind of experience to lean on. So... You know, I I think this was totally uh, the the organization not thinking. Hey, how do we get to step two or three? Instead, leaving that contract as as step one and only, uh, and so now they have to move it. But it's not Terry's and it fault.
0: Depends- yeah, no, it none of this is just like it wasn't with Nick Batum when he got the contract. Every player should Okay, that be was Nick Batum's get... fault.
1: Now I'll argue that that was Nick <sighs> I know. Nick I gave, know. I mean Nick <laughs> got the money. Look, Nick got the money and then decided go. I don't want to be a featured player on this team. I want I want to have all of that money and do, and do the same thing that he's doing now in in Los Angeles. Like he's doing that but for far less money and you know that that's Nick's fault though.
0: Okay. Um I I'm one that always <laughs> thinks about the team. Your the player is going to try to get as much money as possible, but I get But that. Terry got so, but that's yeah. what I'm
1: saying. Terry got the money and then said, "I'm going to step up and and, dom- and be scary Terry, take my game to another level." You cannot look at his previous seasons and look at the seasons in Charlotte and go, "Oh, he didn't take his game to another level." He did. He got the bag and then improved. That's all we ask these players to do and he did
0: it. Nick didn't. He did with upset. the first contract. He he did it with the second though. I mean, this is the first year that the second contract is hitting and he's having the worst season in Charlotte.
1: Why? Well, again, that's that's not <laughs> that's not his fault. He's had to play out of okay. role all season. You're, okay. asking do, right. you're asking him to do. You're asking him to do a hundred different things that he wasn't supposed to do when you gave him the. Well,
0: country. and the leadership thing, like th- this was a selling point because he was good in the Boston series where he had the scary Terry and it, you know the scary Terry thing, and then you know Drew Bledsoe was wearing a scary Terry T-shirt in the stands, and then he always was. Hey, how was that experience playing with Boston? I don't know. Like so, yeah. Now, now yeah, but now again, know,
1: how was that experience playing? He wasn't one of the like best play. I, they needed a veteran who's like been there and done that multiple times times and they okay. didn't have that and they've been leading on Terry for that and it hasn't worked so
0: the final thing I'll say is that it, and de- depending depending on how good you thought this team was going to be with Lamello Terry and Miles I mean you know the year prior it was only good enough to get blown out in, in the play-in you know maybe you thought they could get in the play-in and then move on but you know, they've, they've got to figure that out. And right now to bring it full circle, we're to the point where we might have to attach Jalen McDaniels, a promising young player on what would be a good contract as a sweetener to Terry Rozier, because of the way that we want this team to move right now. And we'll see if that happens at the trade deadline. I did want to go over a couple of these other moments here in the game last night against the Toronto Raptors coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast.
1: Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet.
0: We have not taken a look at Doug's notebook yet. We'll get to that in just a moment and discuss LaMelo Ball's game, not only Mason Plumlee, but I want to talk a little bit more about P.J. Washington and then go to the bench and see how they performed against Toronto. This episode is brought to you by Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football. Once the college bowl season was done, you could still um, – uh, get your uh, money in on Bet Online while that bowl season was happening. World Cup, they always have the big events on Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. One more segment to go on Lockdown Hornets. Mm-hmm. This is Locked On Hornets.
1: we got a couple of rookies here. i got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continued success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones.
0: Which I would love to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things.
1: This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the
0: Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Doug. Notebook time. We haven't brought it out yet. What is uh, something you want to talk about with some of the notes that you wrote down and your observations last night?
1: Oh yeah, I wrote Mad Clifford. That was that was big. You know, I don't. I think this would have been similar to the Detroit game had they been at home. We would have gotten like full Mad Clifford, where he comes in, makes a statement, and then leaves. But because he was on the road, he had to face the music. He had to face Ashley Shahamidi. Who uh, again? Shout out! She's been doing a great job this season with Del Curry being out the past couple of games. She's had to do a little bit more. Uh, she's been great. She actually asks like tough questions in some of these post games. It's uh, and and she was uh, yeah doing the same thing here. And and Clifford was giving her kind of the the short answer treatment, but he did have to face the music. But yeah, he was mad because look, Walker pre game he said we've gotta we've gotta make the focus getting defensive rebounds and winning the rebound battle in general, and they didn't do it. And, you know, that's the one area that the Hornets have been able to succeed this season is second chance points. And I think everybody's going to look at the box score and go, wow, they gave up 18 offensive rebounds. They lost the second chance battle because they gave up more than 20 points on second chance points to Toronto. But that's not really the problem. The problem is they didn't score enough second-chance points. They weren't crashing the glass like they have been all season. They were allowing Toronto to dominate that portion of the game by keeping them off the offensive boards. The fact that they didn't get enough second-chance points was a big reason I thought they lost this game. Because Toronto, is too, they're, they're lengthy, and they present all kinds of matchup issues because they're playing Pascal Siakam at center, and you've got to play Mason Plumley at center. There's all kinds of matchup issues on the floor, but they, they didn't They didn't. try hard enough on the boards on both ends, and they paid for it.
0: Well, yeah, and and even, you know, as well as Mason Plumlee played, the, the defensive rebound numbers, they weren't there for him. He had five defensive rebounds. I mean, Jalen McDaniels had more at seven. It was all of his rebounds. All of them were, um, were defensive variety there. Mark Williams comes in and gives you three in 15 minutes. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was something Steve Clifford wanted to see, and he just wasn't able to see it. Something I noticed, and – we're at the uh we're at a, a 10 game uh a spot here for PJ Washington mm-hmm. where he's been playing very well and you look at him now the last 10 games he's shooting 54% from the field on 13 field goal attempts per yes. game. He's also shooting 44% from 3, 44% from 3 on 6 attempts from deep per game, two assists, four rebounds which is low um, but averaging 18 points per game as well and I think this is all going back to PJ finally talk about Terry going back to his role I think this is PJ getting back to a role where he's a lot more comfortable and you're starting to see him play a lot better and um, I mean just you're, you're feeling a lot more confident watching him play basketball right now so I, I just I, I like what you're uh, what you're seeing from PJ here recently. Yeah,
1: because the two – the majority of his scores are coming in two areas and they both really kind of have to do with LaMelo. One is the pick and pop that him and Uh LaMelo just run by heart. Like it's just so smooth and it it may – because LaMelo commands that attention in that pick and roll situation can just pull that – can just pull PJ's defender – just a half step. It's really when they when a, when a team goes to like all switching that they can really start to disrupt that. Uh, but so that's the pick and pop is phase one. Phase two is when he knocks a couple of those down, and then he can get to his shot fake and get to the middle of the floor. And now he has that little. It's like a straight line floater. Like I don't even want to call it a floater because a yeah. float you like get the ball up, but he's like. He, he's taking my strategy and pop a shot I, I don't like I try not to get the loft on the pop a shot I just pick the ball up as quickly as possible and like throw him like darts like ping I'm trying to throw oh, yeah. that thing right in there now I'm not trying to get any loft because I'm afraid of hitting the top of the pop a shot that's what PJ is doing and it's and it's worked I don't even I don't we got to figure out what to call that shot maybe it's pop maybe it's Papa shot uh, that's what he's doing right now it's not a floater <laughs> but it's been amazing for him
0: yeah. And uh, he's still playing, you know, 33 minutes per game. So still playing a lot. Steve Clifford relying on him quite a bit. Well, and and, he had to um, guard,
1: you know, again, he's getting the tough assignments, right? He's guarding Giannis. Yeah. He well, was guarding Pascal and, and you know, doing it, I think, valiantly. Um, but, but again, playing a, somewhat out of position.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And uh, if you go to the bench, I don't know if you've got something else you wanted to get to before. Maybe we kind of focus on some of the players off of the bench.
1: Well, I can go. I can go rapid fire whenever you want. Go okay, ahead, talk about, I mean, let's we can talk about the bench. The, the way because well, there's two things on the bench. I think that are important to point out in this game. One is what they had, and two is what they didn't have. So, what they had was this bench B unit that has absolutely locked it down on defense. You saw it uh, at the end of the first quarter against Indiana. You you saw it all throughout the the Milwaukee game. But but in this one again in that first quarter they bring in that all bench it's essentially an all bench lineup even though Jalen's with them but it's length it's it's DSJ stealing the basketball uh, it's Cody Martin locking things up it, it's really impressive what that what that unit can do defensively and they use that defense to make up for the fact that they don't have a lot of shooting they use that defense to get into their offense but what they don't have Walker is they don't have Kelly Oubre and the hornets also don't have Gordon Hayward who doesn't who plays with the bench and pretty effectively with the bench and that positional versatility with Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre would have really helped them i thought you know i felt bad for clifford cuz he didn't have a lot of tools to go to when they would when they would go super small and go into that zone he just had you know he had to keep playing mark williams or mason plumley and they just you know out of options essentially
0: Yeah. And, and you see the offense just is not there. You're right. Defensively. This is a team that comes in and is awesome. That, that second unit is trying to pull up the box score real quickly. I have a bunch of open here, but yeah, you look, you look, they just don't take a lot of
1: shots. Like they, they, and they're not, I don't think they're allowed to, by the way, I think, (laughs) right. I I think it's like the, the edict is when, when PJ or LaMelo or any, or Terry, Terry was great with the bench in this game, by the way, um, when those guys are on the floor, they're the shot takers and makers.
0: Yeah, and and you see, you know, even against the Pacers, the three-point the three shooting isn't there for this bench team. Dennis Smith Jr. has kind of fallen back after his small sample size at the beginning oh, he man. had improved, you know, quite a bit um, and even offensively overall. So you got something on Dennis?
1: Well, just tough. Just I mean, because he, we did see him knock down three-point shots. It surprised both of us. We're like, whoa, uh, we didn't think he had that in mm-hmm. his game. And he was doing all the same stuff defensively that he's doing now. He's it doesn't matter though. It, 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 that's why he should limit his shot taking, right? Because he's so important defensively that you don't want to ruin that by by taking like you know twelve shots and missing most of them. But he's mm-hmm. he's way he is vital. This team is only competitive because of the type of play that we're seeing out of DSJ stealing the basketball and and igniting the rest of this defense. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and even it's, it's funny because we have talked about the starters playing a lot better recently. That still holds mm-hmm. true against Toronto, mm-hmm. despite the loss. But what's interesting, even against Milwaukee, where Charlotte scores 138 points, the bench accounts for, you know, JT Thor gives you 10. And but like you're, you're still talking about a blowout right from the get go against Milwaukee. Even so, right, even with garbage time accounted for, you only got you got 10 from JT. Four from Mark Williams, six from DSJ on only three attempts that he had. So even Mm -hmm. in that game where garbage time happens, the bench isn't scoring the basketball. It's been a lot of starter work as far as who is bringing you the buckets. And then it's the bench who is giving you the defense.
1: Well, that's why I say it's I've said it over the past couple of episodes. That's not sustainable. Like your your Mm -hmm. starters being able to play offense only and struggling on defense and your bench unit struggling on offense and only being able to play elite defense like that's that's not a winning formula and you saw it at the end of this game when they had to when when Toronto made that big run it was on back-to-back OGN and threes and then Van Vliet hit a three and if you go to every Hornets box score I linked all three of those plays and I described some of the breakdowns that happened but all three of those plays were just breakdowns defensively that that you can't have um and and that's what was frustrating Clifford after the game as well just not being able to maintain defensive consistency, especially as the game gets close. Uh, th- those were opportunities for the Hornets to make plays and and the starters who have been having to focus on offense essentially exclusively, right? I mean, it's tough to, to tell these starters, hey, don't focus so much on the offensive end. You've got to also focus on the defensive end of the floor. When it's like, uh coach, the bench can't shoot. Like, we've got <laughs> to focus on the <laughs> offensive end of the floor.
0: <laughs> no, or, or we lose by a 1,000. That That's correct. Uh, so they have one other game tomorrow at 630, I guess, 730 Eastern time. A little, East a little, well, always. a little
1: away and away. It's against Toronto again. And I'll tell you mm. one thing, Walker. I, I mean, I just can't believe that precious Achua is going to score as many threes as he did in this game. Like him and Chris, Boucher, uh, I think it's Boucher, right? um chris boucher precious achua they destroyed they were a couple of bench wrenches in that second quarter absolutely destroying the hornets that can't happen again fred van vliet probably is not going to start the game one of eight again either uh but yeah they'll have to make some adjustments and figure this thing out defensively
0: yeah van vliet's struggled this season so maybe we can bank on that again and and precious achua as you mentioned how about three of five from three-point line. And I believe Eric Collins, who was baffled by the second three-pointer that he hit in a minute span, said he had hit only five coming into this game and then hits three. So 60% of the threes that he had hit all season, he hit that against the Charlotte Hornets coming off of the bench. Boucher, you mentioned that. And uh, yeah, big-time performance from Pascal, who's been awesome. And same thing with O.G. Ananobi, scoring 22, giving you three ba- uh, three rebounds and a couple of assists uh, assist as oh, well. Oh,
1: the the bench the B bench shut it down in the th- – I had this wrong. I said first quarter. They shut it down in the third quarter. That was like the only quarter of defense that the Hornets played fully. They, they held the Raptors to 24 points, got themselves back into the game. That was the same quarter that Terry Rozier really – lit it up and they went on that 7-0 run to, to bring themselves back into the game uh, and and they got a lead there. You know, that's a, that's the other thing about these two games. They've been really rare in that the Hornets have typically when they've gotten leads in the third or fourth quarter, they've been able to hold on to them this season. They just haven't had a lot of those opportunities. So you're seeing this Hornets team go into a whole new territory of losing <laughs> where, where now they're blowing, you know, opportunities at, at the end of games um, so yeah it's it's just been a difficult season uh but but it doesn't stop they got to keep playing these games and uh you know Clifford hopefully uh can they've been able to respond right remember the Memphis blowout and then they respond yep. to that with the blowout against uh milwaukee so so you're hoping that they can respond and and, and turn one on Toronto as well
0: and so Yep. And so we'll finish with this, just the uh, couple of games that they have coming up next. So another game against Toronto tomorrow, and then you have two games against Boston right in a row. Both of those games are at home. You have one Saturday and then you have one on MLK day. That's going to be tipping off at noon. So that'll be a, a fun basketball game. Always love MLK day games. And just, um, we mentioned yesterday how they're going to be having some more home games um, coming up this year. The, the rest of the way, mm-hmm. it's actually not going to be start. It's not going to start hitting really until March. March for the most part, because they've got a lot of road games. They got a couple of Boston home games and then four game road trip, two games back at home against Chicago and Miami, three game road trip, one back game back against Orlando two game road trip. And then you start to see more home games than road games. So still quite a bit. Uh, away is what uh, Charlotte is going to have to try to find some victories in. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes game to game NBA. Make that your second listen. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.